Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking with Joy, a podcast to fill your soul, challenge your mind, and make you brave. I'm your host, Joy Clarkson, and an evangelist for all things good, true, and beautiful. So make yourself a cup of tea, find somewhere comfortable, and let's dive in to this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Speaking with Joy. Today, I am rather excited to chat with somebody who has been primarily a Twitter friend, even though she has, in fact, sat in my living room many, many moons ago, uh, to talk about one of my favorite things, which is Advent. My soul needs Advent this year, and I'm so excited to chat with Tish Oxenreiter about her new book about Advent and um, to think about ways that we can prepare and celebrate and enter into this season of invitation, as her book calls it. So with that, welcome to Speaking with Joy, Tish. Thank you. It's so good to finally chat with you. I know we've been trying to do this for a while. I know. and We finally made it. We kind of, we almost managed to chat during the first <laughs> wave of, uh, you know, uh-huh. the ordeal, as I've been calling it. Um, and so now <laughs> we're finally getting to chat in the second we're wave of it. <laughs> finally doing it. That's right. <laughs> So uh, why don't you give everyone kind of a picture of who you are and what you do and what you care about? Yeah, so um, I am a writer and an educator and a mom of three, and I live in Central Texas, uh, just north of Austin, but after many years of traveling all over the place and living in various spots of the world. Um, And, you know, I... I was raised in a wonderful Christian family, and um, I'm so grateful for my upbringing. And yet there's so much I learned after I became an adult about more like the historical church and the historic approach to living more sacramentally, I think Mm -hmm. is a good way to put it. And so Advent came around well into my adulthood. I mean, I had heard of that word before, Mm -hmm. but as a child, I associated it more, you know, I remember going to church and I would see a little wreath with some candles, but I didn't know anything about it, but I mostly associated it with those cardboard calendars that you get at the grocery store with the bad chocolate, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's (laughs) Which are not to be underestimated. They are great. No. (laughs) (laughs) They have their place for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a purist here, but anyway, I mean, I've really grown to love and appreciate the rhythms that God's given through the liturgical calendar, but I'm also just about all sorts of things, travel and books. And, um, I think you and I have a lot in common regarding all those things. Um, just being with people, good conversations, being outdoors, Mm -hmm. um, storytelling, all the things really. All the best things. I guess I'm, I'm, uh, prejudiced, but those are many of the things that I love. Yeah, um, me too. So I feel like you've already kind of given us a little bit of a picture of this, but uh, what kind of inspired you to write this book specifically? And what is the title of the book? So everyone can go and Google it immediately as soon as we're done with this podcast. <laughs> yeah, the book is called Shadow and Light. And mm-hmm. what inspired me to write it was actually my own family back mm-hmm. when my oldest was um, six, seven years old. She's now almost 16. Um, I first really started looking into what does it look like to practice or mm-hmm. recognize Advent in our home? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had three small kids and And so I wanted something that was really accessible, but also Mm -hmm. something that was rich and meaningful and um, really got into the crux of what all of this was about. Mm. And so when I was looking for a resource, you know, this is me, brand new person. I barely knew what Advent was. In fact, I think at the time I associated it with just the 24 days Mm -hmm. of December before 
December 25th, not mm-hmm. yet being aware of how the calendar works, which is, of course, mm-hmm. it's the four Sundays mm-hmm. leading up to Christmas Day, which then starts the 12 days of Christmas. But I was not aware of that at the time. But either way, um, I just wanted something that was accessible. And so um, my little kids and I, you know, we started doing I would associate certain activities while still trying to make it meaningful. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, we would try, have you heard of a Jesse tree? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Explain that. Explain that for people who may not know what that is. Yeah. And I'm not even really sure where this began, but a Jesse tree is this idea where, and I'm all for it. You know, if if Mm -hmm. people love it, you know, that's great. But um, it's a separate tree you put in your home or, you know, just some Mm -hmm. sort of collection of branches. It doesn't really matter, but you have a different ornament a day and you walk through the story of um, basically God's story from creation to the birth of Christ through, mm-hmm. um, you know, the reading of scripture a little every day. And mm-hmm. it was a great, it, it's great in theory, but the problem I had with my my stage of life was that if we got behind a few days, yeah, or, you know, just because the holidays are like that, you have some kind yeah. of event to go to, you stay up too late the other night, like suddenly you're five days behind and we would sit down and I would feel this like, okay, kids, we're going to read for two hours and you're going to enjoy <laughs> every minute of it and, <laughs> and not lose your minds. And it, so it just wasn't practical. Mm. Um, so that's what a Jesse tree is. I tried that. I tried just different devotions and I would try to either kind of water it down for my kids or make it a lot shorter. Um, or I would find something that was a little more age appropriate, but I found them to be a little too saccharine mm-hmm. or, or just really, um, surfacy, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately I wrote for my own family what it was I couldn't find. And this mm-hmm. was kept as just a personal family devotion for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would use the uh, lectionary readings. You know, I didn't even want to search for particular mm-hmm. Bible passages that like fit my agenda. I wanted to just open and see mm-hmm. what the global church said is good to read that day. Mm-hmm. And so then I just added a few reflection points from that. And ultimately over the years, it became this full on book that I'm so glad to share with other people. Um, so that's the birth of shadow and light really. I love that. And I love that it's really just born out of your family's experience and your family's desire to kind of try to live into something that you felt a desire for, but didn't have a resource that made sense for you guys. I feel like one of my theories is that some of the best books are the books that we write for ourselves or yeah. for our past selves. Um, when I had Esau Macaulay on a couple of months ago, he he said that. He said, I wrote the book that I needed when I was 26. And it sounds like, you know, you wrote the book that your family needed um, and that your family has literally used. Yeah. Um, and I want to explore a little bit of the idea of Advent itself, because I think that, um, like you said, we, we may all kind of have in our heads, like an association with Advent. Um, but some of us, you know, depending on the tradition we come from, may not be as familiar with what it is or why we do it. And I think it sounds like you're along the same lines with this. And this is part of what drove the book. But I think discovering the calendar, like the liturgical year, was a real grace for me in my life of faith, because it's kind of the sense that throughout the year, we celebrate God's grace and his acts of, of grace towards us, right? You know, so in, in, in Christmas, we're celebrating the incarnation that Christ became man, dwelt with us, you know, made his tent among us. In Easter, we are celebrating that he died and rose again, and that we mark these things in the actual time and seasons of the year. 
And we do things to prepare for that and, and to prepare our own hearts for that. And I think discovering that was really helpful for me because it felt like I didn't always have to be kind of abstractly generating feelings about God that weren't tied in any way to like my experience or to something beyond me. But I think that liturgical year is the kind of this thing that, that both ties us to the rest of the church and also kind of holds us up and teaches us how to prepare our hearts. It, It means that we don't just have to kind of come up with everything in our own brains, but that we can kind of ride the wave of God's rhythms of mercy that have been happening in the church for a long time. Right. And yeah. So, um, I don't know how much you get into this, but what is kind of like, how would you explain to people what Advent is about and why it's a worthwhile thing to like celebrate or live into with relationship to the liturgical year? Yeah. You know, a lot of times when people first get the gist of, of what the book is about, their, their initial reaction is, oh no, one more thing to do during an already busy season. Uh I don't think I can do that. And I completely get that reaction. But to me, and this hints at exactly what you were just talking about, the liturgical calendar uh, broadly and Advent specifically is simply a, a way of adding and putting some scaffolding around our time. So we already live in time. God made us that way. We are very seasonal creatures. Mm-hmm. You know, we lean into the just nature seasons, but we also have seasons in our life. We have even seasons in our day, you know, mm-hmm. when we have mm-hmm. our circadian rhythms. And so God made us this way, very rhythmic mm-hmm. people. And so this is a way, this is a gift God has given us to mm-hmm. add some of that scaffolding around our time so that we can lean mm-hmm. into it and it can bolster what we're doing anyway. So for mm-hmm. me, Advent has been such a grace and such a gift because it gives me permission to lean into the time God has already orchestrated in my own heart, mm. but even in the outside world um, by way of the global church. And so for me, Advent being the four Sundays leading up to Christmas tide mm-hmm. allows me to take things slowly and methodically and lean into that anticipatory feeling because that really is what we're recognizing with Advent that we're mm. waiting. You know, it's an Mm. entire season devoted to the idea of waiting. And that is such Mm. a human experience that Mm -hmm. I think is really cool that God has invited us to acknowledge Mm -hmm. and recognize because in Advent, we're both remembering what it was like to wait for the historic Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. 2000 Mm -hmm. plus years ago, what it must have felt like to wonder if God remembered his promises Mm -hmm. and then to finally see them come to fruition Mm-hmm. But we're, we live in an already not yet time, right? Mm-hmm. That has happened. And yet we look around us and we recognize that things still are not as they should be, that mm-hmm. all things have not yet been made new, that the rights have, or the wrongs have not been yet righted. Um, and I mean, 2020 <laughs> has taught <laughs> us that loud and clear as we mm-hmm. look around. And, and so that already not yet of, um, we're still waiting, you know, we're Mm. still waiting on Christ to still make all things new. And Mm. we remember that in Advent. And I love that this is a season that allows me to notice that Mm -hmm. um, in my day to day, you know, it's definitely almost um, countercultural because it's Christmas and the holidays generally are Mm -hmm. seen as this festive time to almost push aside any feelings that are maybe Mm -hmm. less than savory or Mm -hmm. (laughs) less than ideal, or, you know, we just want to put pretty bows on things and uh, Mm -hmm. there's nothing, you know, there's, there's time and place for festivities. I'm not at all dogging that, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Advent really is about waiting and I love Mm -hmm. that we can recognize that. 
Yeah, I love that too. And I, I, th- I don't know if people know this, but traditionally Advent is, is it's a 40 day period, just like, um, just mm-hmm. like Lent is right. So it's the 40 days leading up to, or the, like you said, the four Sundays. Um, and it's, it's traditionally a period of fasting, like in the sense of it's a, it's a period of making room for and anticipating and, and allowing ourselves to kind of see our need and our desire for God to make all things new. But it's a different kind of fasting, I think, than Lent, right? Everyone's called, tw- I've heard people calling 2020 the long Lent, you know? Right. It's just this kind of never-ending uh, season of fasting from all the things that we like best um, and need best. But to me, Advent has a different kind of feeling, a different kind of ethos. And I think that you are articulating that well, which is it's this, it is a longing and a fasting and a, a waiting and an openness to receive something. But it's it's that with this kind of tinge of hopefulness because it's awaiting God fulfilling his promises. You know what I mean? Which is, has this kind of hopefulness in its longing. Um, you know, it's not just that we're repenting of our sins, although we are doing that. It's this sense of, of allowing ourselves to sit in the deepest longings that we have, the longings for things to be made whole and beautiful. Um, and, and that's something that I think, I don't know that we we spend a lot of time doing. And so being able to have that in Advent, being able to acknowledge and make room for and think about how many desires we have for wholeness and beauty and light is always just such a relief to me because I just, Mm -hmm. I feel so deeply that I need that. And so being able to have that in a season where we, we reflect on that. And like you said, kind of make room for that is, has been really meaningful for me personally. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I also think that thinking about the name Advent is helpful too, right? Because Advent or Adventus or Perusia, Adventus in Latin, Perusia in Greek, mm-hmm. is the coming, right? So it's about the coming of Christ. Um, and that there's these kind of, I love the way that, um, so O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? Which is like one of the famous, I'm sure you probably talk about this in the book, but one of the famous um, Advent hymns mm-hmm. um, is about, three kinds of comings. It's about the coming of Christ into the world and Christmas that we're preparing for and remembering as we get ready for Advent. And then also anticipating and desiring the final coming of Christ, but then also um, waiting for this coming of Christ every day in our hearts and in our lives. And I just love thinking about that and, and making room for that. And, and kind of, I think of it, I think of Advent as like the fallow season in a way, right? It's it's in the winter. It's when things are getting darker and moving towards darkness. But mm-hmm. that's also where there's this kind of quiet life that can begin again. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and that's actually where the name shadow and light comes from. This idea mm. of walking from darkness to light, mm. you know, as we are literally, you know, at least for those of us in the Northern hemisphere mm-hmm. in the darkest season of the year, um, and then moving towards light on the other side, mm. I think there's something really great about, you know, God gave us, we're very physical beings and mm-hmm. God speaks, at least to me, but I think to most of us, even if we're not aware to, through our senses, our, we're very mm-hmm. sensory people. And so I think the holiday traditions that we love dovetail so nicely with recognizing Advent for those reasons, because mm-hmm. Advent's a great time to lean into those um, sensory things we we so appreciate, like light, you know, candles, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. songs, s- scents, 
um, the nature of, of what is literally happening outside. And, Mm -hmm. and so that to me, it's really cool. Just the timing of Advent and how it leans into, and also because it is part of a a whole calendar, Mm -hmm. you know, it is a fallow season that then gives birth to a 12 day feast and Mm -hmm. then goes right into epiphany and all these other things that I have only become aware of as an adult. And it's been so life-giving to me to recognize these things in my own life that, um, you know, I almost like have more permission to be in a state of like a mini Lent, like you say, Mm -hmm. um, while not being a purist about it as well, because this is the gift and it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a requirement, but, um, because I know what's coming, you know, mm-hmm. I know Christmas tide is coming. And so it's not exactly, you know, sturm and drang of the holidays. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's enjoying the, the, what is now because I know what is coming. And that's mm-hmm. all the more about, you know, the Adventus of Advent. Mm, yeah. So you said that we are people who experience and need to kind of be taught and enriched through our senses. So what are some of the things that your family does um, in Advent to celebrate that might involve, mm-hmm. you know, fun celebrations and senses like eating and tasting and seeing and touching. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's funny because my kids are now a little bit older. I've got ten, mm-hmm. ages 10 through 16, but they're still very much kids and I'm still very much into Christmas. And that's something that I tell people I'm not recognizing Advent because I want to shove away Christmas. I, no. I'm recognizing Advent because I love Christmas. Yeah. And so for me, Advent is all about leaning into that, um, you know, to me, Advent is very reminiscent of, you know, when you're a kid and you just get so excited about Christmas and how it's almost the anticipation that's better than Christmas Day itself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's the lead up. And um, and whenever you have a kid tell you it's like December 17th or 18th, like mm-hmm. only seven more days until Christmas. And they're mm-hmm. excited about that. And as an adult, it kind of makes your stomach drop a little like, Oh no, it's coming so soon. (laughs) I love the childlike spirit that kids can remind us that this is a thing to be eager about and and get Mm. excited about. So, um, in our family, we do a little bit of a holding back of things on purpose so that we Mm -hmm. can feel that anticipation even more. Mm -hmm. And so for us, practically, that looks like, um, slowly decorating a tree, for example. Mm -hmm. So, we put up a tree early on, but then we maybe don't put on the lights for another week. Mm-hmm. And then we slowly decorate it into where it's like fully decorated, not until Christmas Eve, for mm. example. But we do that because we leave up our tree for all 12 days of Christmas and maybe even longer. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're more than okay with with that. And I, I love having it up, but I don't feel the rush as much knowing that beforehand. We do... Mm-hmm. Um, a few things like purposely listening to more Advent themed music as opposed mm-hmm. to Christmas carols. Now we won't like plug up our ears and say, la 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 la. If we hear <laughs> Christmas carols on like December 14th, we're okay with that. But in our own homes, we um, try and delay some of those Christmas carols and beloved songs until the 12 days of Christmas. And so I've got a whole playlist that accompanies shadow and light um, purposely mm-hmm. because there's a song a day in the book. And, um, and so it's immediately accessible for anybody. So we play that playlist on repeat all the time. How fun. Um, is that yeah. on Spotify? It is on Spotify. <gasps> yeah. Can I find yeah. it? Yeah. You just look up shadow and light or my okay. name. I'm not quite sure, but yeah, it's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's already started playing in our house because 2020 man, you know, I feel <laughs> I know. A bit of that, like, let's just bring it on. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, 
we do a lot of historic art. We also mm-hmm. have, I also have a piece of art per day in the book mm-hmm. and I've got all of those linked to as well on the book's website um, mm-hmm. where you can look every day at a piece of art that's, you know, a lot of it is historic. Some of it is more current, but it's all somehow connected to Advent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. And then um, as, as far as the candles specifically, we have these beeswax candles that we use mm-hmm. every year and they come to us um, in a kit that we have to make. So our kids <laughs> really look forward to the making of these candles. I mean, it honestly, oh. it takes like five minutes. It's not very long because it's just a sheet of beeswax. You put the wick down and then you roll it up. Um, <laughs> but then we pick a a piece of wood from the local area. You know, like we go on a family walk mm-hmm. and we get a piece of wood and then Kyle, my husband, drills holes. And that becomes our really, you know, free, um, natural, um, unfancy, but I love it, log that becomes mm-hmm. our advent wreath. So we just do a lot of things like that. And it's not to be purists about it. It's because that's just what we prefer as a family. This is just yeah. our MO. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still we still enjoy some holiday-ish things as well. You know, we'll still bake and we'll still uh, maybe watch a movie here or there. But I try and hold back on some of those things until the 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, well, I know. And I feel like half the fun of, it seems like having a family, my mom always said this, was that when you have a family, you get to be the orchestrator of what celebrating and Christmas looks like for you and you get to develop your own, um, you know, traditions and things that you all look forward to. And I do mm-hmm. agree. There's something that's just so magical about that anticipation of Christmas, um, that Advent can actually contribute to. It's, it's like a restraint for the sake of feasting and for the sake of fun. Yes. And, right. um, and I always remember just loving, um, we always did a, you know, a wreath and we would light the candles, um, each week. And I always liked that. I don't know if you do this, but I always like the, the pink candle because it's the Gaudauti yeah. candle, which of course is the, the rejoicing candle. Joy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Joy. So I'm all about that. And it's Mary's week, which is great. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But yeah. And there's just something so fun about all those things. And, and it's so wonderful. And it's still a wonderful reminder that all the things that we naturally enjoy, like beautiful things that we can see with our eyes and special treats that we can, we can taste. Do you guys have any, are you all bakers in your house? Do you have favorite Advent or Christmassy treats that you do leading up to? Yeah. Yeah. We all love to bake and it's been fun as my kids get older, they can bake on their own as well. So that's a treat for me um, <laughs> or a treat for us too, as well. Um, you know, we do a traditional cookie swap and this is, we, we do it with some friends who also recognize the liturgical calendar. So what's mm-hmm. nice about that is that doesn't happen until Christmas tide. And it's, oh. it's really great to have a community of friends that feel the same. Mm-hmm. So it's usually like December 28th or so, and we all bake cookies and then swap oh, them. Fun. Um, yeah. And that's really fun. But, um, before that, during, uh, Advent, we still do plenty of baking. I try to keep my meals simple on purpose. Mm-hmm. A lot of, um, low key meals, mm-hmm. just kind of what you were just saying to make the feast more feasty, you know, mm-hmm. when it comes that we do a lot of simple soups and, mm-hmm. um, and almost, I don't want to call it like peasant food, but that kind of style, the <laughs> beans and rice and the, you know, mm-hmm. on purpose. Um, and, and then we'll do some baking, like some breads and mm-hmm. uh, we're gluten, we're a gluten-free house too, uh, just because reasons. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so it takes a little bit of a trickery, but we, we are very used to it. So, you know, my daughter, my, my oldest, she likes to bake and she'll probably bake something about once a week, like some kind of bread or some kind of muffin or mm-hmm. some kind of scone. We're big scone fans too. Mm-hmm. So we keep it very wintry and probably carb loaded, but, um, <laughs> but we, you know, we, we save the, the treats for Christmas. 
Mm, yeah. Uh, my parents forever ago, like our big um, family kind of Advent thing, because it happens just before Christmas. Um, they always felt like there was so much exhaustion and, you know, kind of madness and indulgence around the holidays that they made our Christmas tradition every Christmas Eve that we would literally have a shepherd shepherd's meal. So that was oh. funny when you were saying like the peasant peasanty food. So we would uh-huh. have like some kind of soup and bread and cheese and read the, you know, the story um, of the nativity thinking about kind of what it would be like to be a shepherd on the hill or to be, you know, what kind of things would you eat? What kind of, you know, dried fruits and cheeses and things. And I it's, love that. yeah, it's funny because it's the simplest thing. And it, in a way, when I think about my mom being, you know, a young mom, it was a lot easier for her to prepare, but because it's so associated with that kind of wonderful feeling of being together as a family and um, the anticipation of the feast that's coming, it, it feels to me like the best part of Christmas, even though it's not that big feasting part, because I think there's something about the simplicity of celebrating something that's coming that actually feels like almost more fun to me than the feast itself. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I always loved that. So she always do herby breads and soup mm-hmm. and it was just so simple, but it was so fun and it was so our family. And I think that's part of the fun too. Yes. Thinking about this is thinking about how do we do this in a way that becomes a part of our kind of family story and narrative, you know, you're entering into this big grand narrative, both of God's plan for salvation, but also that the church does every year. And then it's also a part of your own story as a family and how you celebrate those things in ways that are unique to you, which is fun. And I think that's encouraging to remember as an adult in your own life, you know, because Mm -hmm. sometimes we feel that pressure to make things, you know, and we all know in theory, there's no reason to make things perfect during the holidays, but you still feel that temptation of wanting to pull out all the stops until, you know, it's good for us to stop and remember what is it that we loved most about our own holidays as children? And it's Mm. almost never, I can't imagine anyone saying, you know, I loved how my mom had every single room meticulously decorated, or (laughs) I loved that one gift I got for my 11th Christmas, you know, that changed my life. (laughs) It's usually how your home felt, right? Mm -hmm. And how, how it felt to be part of your family at that particular time of year, again, with all the senses, you know, the smells Mm -hmm. and the sights and the sounds and, and the traditions. Those are the things that ultimately we are after whenever we as adults are trying to make the holidays more um, special or sacred. Um, Mm -hmm. We're after those senses of, um, yeah, like I like how you put that about being aware of leaning into the the global church family, but also our own individual homes. And, you know, that idea of, of sort of a domestic monastery. What mm-hmm. what do we do to make our place sacred and special in our own unique way? Mm-hmm. It was funny. I was talking with some friends here uh, in St. Andrews recently, and um, they live a little bit out of town and their daughters have been back with them, like their adult daughters, because, you know, everything's crazy with the lockdown. And she said that to me. She said, you know, it's been funny with everybody home. We are kind of like our own little monastery. We have our own little rule of life. And we, you know, we eat at certain times. We've been doing puzzles. We do these readings every night. And um, of all the many difficult things this year, I feel like that's been one of the gifts has been kind of this reminder of how important our spaces are and our homes are. And Mm -hmm. I think having that in mind, thinking of yourself as, well, what if this is my little monastery, my little 
you know, religious order? What does it look like? Just like there's many different religious orders who all function in different ways, have different traditions. What does it look like for our family, our home to be this little outpost of light and hospitality and celebration? And um, that's kind of this beautiful thing in the midst of a, of a chaotic world. And I mm-hmm. think when I think of, you know, holidays and Christmas, one of the images I have in my mind is dark nights and bright windows, mm. um, especially here in Scotland, because right now it gets dark at about, it's already getting dark right now. And I'm t- talking to you at 3.30 PM. Our time. Wow. <laughs> um, and so it's just very dark most of the time. Somebody the other day was like, I think people just don't like winter because they don't like Sabbath. And I was like, I don't know. I think I don't like it because it's very cold and dark. <laughs> um, right. But, uh, but so, but with that darkness, there is this kind of fun right now. St. Andrews has like, I, I'm not even going to complain. They have been putting out Christmas lights or we'll call them holiday lights, you know? Sure. Um, but there's that to me, that's part of the, the Christmas or the Advent mood is the darkness that we're in lit up by lights, whether it's lights in town with the Christmas lights, or there's this one house I try not to be, you know, a peeping joy, but every time I walk <laughs> by it, it's just so inviting. It's like yes. warm and beautiful. And they've got these two cats that always sit in the same chair and peek out the window and this big Turkish rug. And to oh me, gosh. a part of Advent is thinking, how can we, um, as we wait for the light, how can we cultivate this beautiful place of light, our own little monastery looking out into the darkness, waiting for the light mm-hmm. to come, you know, and that's a very intuitive um, thing. But that's kind of what I think of when I think of getting ready to prepare for Advent and for Christmas is yeah. making these little outposts of light in the darkness of winter that announces the coming light. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, kind of to connect it to the whole monastic traditions, um, whenever you know, the, the book I wrote previously is called mm-hmm. At Home in the World, and it's about a year, a school year my family and I traveled around the world out of backpacks. And one of the things I end with it is when we decided to settle back home somewhere, I, I learned, um, I was in the midst of learning a lot about the Benedictine tradition of a rule mm-hmm. of life. And one of the things that makes them especially unique, the, the Benedictine mm-hmm. tradition, is they take an extra vow that most other monastic traditions don't. And that's called the vow of stability. Mm. And what they mean by that is that they take a vow to stay put, Mm. even when things aren't ideal, even Mm. when things aren't, um, you know, when things are hard or more likely for most of us when things are boring. Mm. And so to me, that was such a great takeaway. But I have been thinking about that so much in 2020. And I've been Mm. thinking about that a lot during these holidays, because a lot of people are thinking about doing these things differently right right now mm. and that we're going to be home a lot more. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing per se, but when you think of this vow of stability and what it means to just stay put, stay where you are both physically, but maybe even emotionally or spiritually, mm. um, what does it look like to cultivate that place, you know, to turn mm. it into the monastery that draws you closer to God? So I love that idea of, of mm. thinking of it that way. And I am all about holidayifying our homes, however it works best to <laughs> help us recognize that darkness and light. Um, because I love that too. I love going on walks and, and seeing houses that just delight me again mm-hmm. and again. Um, because I'm the same way. And, um, <laughs> I don't know, I I'm all for, especially this year, doing what we can to make our homes, uh, I don't know, sacred spaces like that. I think so too. I think cultivating a cottage core aesthetic is an act of radical defiance <laughs> of the darkness of the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so good. I love that. That is so true. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 
That's so good. Well, um, so I'm trying to think my brain just went dead. I'll edit this part out. I'm trying to think <laughs> what is the last question I should ask you as we start to wind down? Is there something mm. I haven't asked you you want me to ask you? Oh gosh. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna so... ask you, I'm gonna do this. I always ask people this, so this will be okay. a good question. I'm gonna ask you Great. about do you have a favorite work of advent art? Think about that for oh, a second. Oh, okay. Oh, hold on, let me look it up then, because I do. Okay. Um I'll wait for a second. Yeah, no, I actually have a link, so I'm gonna look at it because I remember the name. I just want to make sure I have the artist's name right. Perfect. Um <laughs> I knew you'd have something if I asked, so I just yeah. I keep on doing that lately where I'll get almost the end of an interview and I'll think, I wonder what's the last question I want to ask. You know what? It is so hard for me too. I, I'm not the best at like landing things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, wait, how should I wrap this up? Okay. I'm just scrolling down to the name. Where is it? Okay. I've got it. You got it? Okay. Yep. I'm ready. All right. Well, as we kind of wind this conversation down, although I feel like we could talk about monasteries and cottage core and coziness <laughs> and Advent for the rest of the afternoon, um, right. I want to ask you a final question, which is this. Could you pick or what would you pick if I said, is there a work of Advent art that means a lot to you? I love that question because of kind of what I was saying, Shadow and Light is full of art recommendations to look at, you know, one piece of art a day. Um and there's one that immediately comes to mind, and it's it's almost not traditionally Advent art, but I, I think of Advent every time I see it. Mm. And it's called Christ of the Breadlines. And it's mm. this engra- it's like this charcoal engraving kind of work of art from a guy named Fritz Eichenberg mm. in the 1930s. So it was during the Great Depression. And he was good friends with Dorothy Day. And mm. so they were... Um, connected in a lot of ways in, in um, serving the poor in New York City. And so he created this uh, piece of art that's Jesus standing in a bread line wrapped in a blanket, mm-hmm. uh, just alongside everybody else waiting in line for their bread. And everybody's wrapped mm-hmm. up and it's cold and um, it's, it's just haunting. Like I, I stare at it and I just, I can't believe, you know, this work of art and it's yet so simple. And to me, it, it feels very Adventy, kind of what we were saying earlier mm-hmm. about eating simply and, and kind of almost, um, like shepherd like, and to me, it just mm-hmm. embodies this idea of Christ coming as a King, but not to be kingly in a worldly sense, to be the poorest mm-hmm. of the poor. And it's such a good reminder whenever we are tempted to blingify everything inwardly and outwardly about the holidays mm-hmm. that that what we're recognizing is Christ's arrival and his arrival through everybody, mm-hmm. you know, on their feet and flip the world upside down because nobody saw it coming this particular way. And mm-hmm. so uh, Christ of the Breadlines to me embodies it perfectly. And I love that, too, because there's that sense of he is waiting in the same way that everybody else is waiting. And there's a sense that as we are waiting for the final renewal of all things, Christ has entered into this broken world and is waiting with us, even though he's also the one we're waiting for. Exactly. Um, Exactly. I love that picture of him standing in line waiting for bread um, Mm. because he became fully human. Yeah. Mm. And so he knows that experience of longing. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And um, I would encourage everyone to go check out Tish's book and I'll hopefully be giving away a few copies. And where Mm -hmm. else can people find you on the interwebs if they so desire? So the easiest thing for people to do is just go to tishoxenwriter.com because that's where I've got everything linked to. But I know my name is spelled weird. (laughs) 
T-S-H without an I. Um, and honestly, I'm on Twitter. Like you said, Twitter's probably my one main um, social media outlet. So I'm just at Tish there, T-S-H. So that's an easy place to find all my things as well. Wonderful. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Tish. And thank you, everybody else, for listening. Thanks, Joy. Okay.